Hello, and thanks for listening to Party Chat. A new episode of the Party Chat podcast can be found on Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on every platform that you listen to your podcasts on, including Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and, of course, Anchor. And don't forget, if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe so you don't miss out on any Harry Gamers content, and leave us a kind review as it helps us grow and reach a larger audience. Thank you for listening. Now on to the show. This week's episode of Party Chat. I'm one of your co-hosts, Cormac, and with me, the ever illustrious and sexually alluring <laughs> Talon. <laughs> How are you doing, Talon? Uh, you know, I've, I've been sick. Uh, I got this from you when you got sick from Rec Room. Um, so I, if I'm if I'm coughing at all, uh, clearing my throat, I I do apologize. Um, but it is what it is. It's recording time. Yeah, it's been a good week uh, for video games, I think, for the two of us. Uh, we've we've been playing a lot more, at least today, together than we have uh, throughout the week. And we'll get onto that in a minute. But um, what, personally, have you been playing this week? Um, other, you know, a little bit of Rocket League and, and, and sucking balls at Rocket League. Um, <laughs> I finally ranked myself in doubles, you know, a solid silver one yes. ranking, uh, which is absolute trash on my part. Um, but I think we talked about this was coming up last week. I have been playing the Division 2 open beta. And you're, you're pretty excited about that. Um, <laughs> as you said, I, I was fanboying out, but I think with a lot of good reason. Um yeah, and I'll say this as a, a kind of a piece of commentary is that, to be honest, I thought that Talon was being a little bit of a fanboy. You know how you can get excited about something you're personally invested in, and you can only talk good about the game, and you know, he was constantly referencing videos that he'd been watching about it, and I was like, yeah, it's, it's just Talon being excited for a game. No. Absolutely <laughs> not. I tried this beta as well, after Talon did, because I was at work when it dropped, and, like, within two minutes of me turning it on, I was like, yep, I get it. Um, in terms of what I've been playing, um, I had been playing um, Anthem for a little bit. I stopped. And luckily, and we'll get to that uh, a little bit later on in the show, um, I've also been playing some of the new Fortnite update um, that dropped. Season 8, I believe. Lots of yeah, pirates season and stuff eight. like that. And uh, yeah, and, and some of the Division Two beta. Uh, do you want Do you want to talk about the Division Two beta on here? Just kind of our thoughts, uh, kind of what we've seen and what we like about it. Yeah, why don't you uh, Why don't you take the lead? Because uh, you put some, a little bit more time into it than I have. Yes. Yeah, so, I uh, big Division One player now. To be To be straight up, if you did not like the first Division game, I really don't know how much. Uh, Division 2 is going to change your mind on the series. Um, from the first game to the second game, definitely the controls feel a lot tighter. Mm-hmm. 
uh, animations for the parkour, you know, movements, jumping barriers. It's a lot nicer. It's a lot smoother. I don't feel as sticky or as floaty. Um, the gunplay is definitely a lot tighter as well. Um, very, very amped for that. Um, the game is just absolutely gorgeous. When, you know, you're playing Division 1 and you're in New York City, you definitely feel much more confined and packed in, mm. where this definitely is much more open. And the one-to-one -one scale with DC just makes it feel huge. Yeah, I think an another point of that is that in New York City, you're typically surrounded by buildings that are what, in excess of 10 stories high. So it's very hard to look at a horizon and see exactly how expansive the area you're in is. Well, this is a little bit different, you know. You can see uh, for miles and miles, and you've got open Greenland um, and park, parkland area, stuff like that. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, what what really impresses me as well uh, as well is the enemy AI in this game. Um, they make callouts whether they're putting down suppressing fire, whether they're flanking. Um, they call when they're being flanked, and they adjust accordingly. Um, I have had my ass handed to me <laughs> a handful of times in ways I didn't think. Um, when you start to really get low on health, they will push you aggressively. Um, as an example, I once got uh, killed uh, because I was hitting low health. Um, they lobbed a grenade. A guy had moved up on a flank I wasn't aware of. The grenade moved me out of cover, and the moment I stood out of cover, he came from behind the corner and just pelted me with a shotgun. Um, and I was, I was stunned, to be honest. Um, but it's very good AI. Um, the factions do use different tactics and take you on differently. Uh, your drones, your turrets, they do actively engage. Um, so that if you're not protecting your turrets, they will take them out on you. Yeah, it's there's a couple of things that took me by like completely by surprise. You you know we're we've talked about how good it looks and w how well it controls, but it's the little things that I was noticing. So you know I I, I tried it perhaps uh, a couple of hours after you and was kind of giving you feedback as I was noticing things. And we need to notice something like the squirrels taking cover that when you're firing. They'll like scurry away under cars or, you know, there's a, an article um, on Reddit. Uh, some guy was shooting and a dog came up to him and like cowered behind the cover he was behind with him while he was, you know, hiding from enemies. And it's just they've thought about what if we add this? Like, will it add to realism? Yes, it will. Okay, let's throw it in there. And the lighting as well is insane. Yeah, if you get fog or if there's a storm, it makes it really hard to see uh, in front of you. And not only does it affect your vision, it actually affects the enemy AI vision as well. It makes it that much harder for you to be seen. And you can actually ambush and, and create surprise attacks and really use weather to a tactical advantage. Definitely over the first division. Division two definitely makes you take cover more, I find. Where I used to stand out in the open a lot more and take guys face on. Um, you can't really do that this time around. You know, animations, like before you would heal and you would just use a med kit. 
And now healing equates to actually removing armor plates out of your armor and putting in a new armor plate. And you see that in full, full animation. So healing, instead of being instant, actually takes about two to three seconds to complete the entire action. Yeah, it's sweet. I, it gives me a lot of hope. I, I think you and I can agree on Ubisoft has, has had some... Uh, problematic releases and some games that have been awful and we've both discussed that Division 1 now is a different game to when it launched but this really does instill me with hope for the future of their franchises games like um, Ghost Recon Wildlands um, and I think we can see a little bit of Wildlands in the Division 2. I feel uh, I feel like we see a lot of influences from a lot of their games and as at least yeah. What I'm taking it from is that they realize they've made mistakes in the past and they really, uh, you know, massive basically kind of must have reached out to some of those other Ubisoft developers to kind of take some lessons from what they learned about the games that they're producing. Now, something that we've heard over and over again this week um, is a funny statement in relation to Anthem. Um, and what is that statement, Talon? Uh, well, having both played quite a bit of Anthem, <laughs> the world just feels so dead and so empty. Although it's absolutely beautiful, it just doesn't feel alive. And with the amount of content packed into a beta, <laughs> it almost feels like there's more going on in this beta than there is in Anthem. In its full game release, you mean? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Like <laughs> it, the amount, the amount of stuff that pops up for you to do is borderline overwhelming. Yeah, I, uh, public executions, propaganda machines. It's just there's always something going on, and there's always something that can happen at any time because you have armed civilians that are roaming who actually aren't useless and. If you are with them, they you, you almost don't even need to do anything sometimes. They're so right. efficient in uh, taking down enemy uh, patrols and stuff like that. But engagements can happen at any moment and at any time. Yeah. From what I've taken with this beta is that this is an expertly... Uh, rolled out open beta. This is how beta should be. And it's not without its faults. You know, I did see a couple of things myself, uh, some asset streaming issues on my PS4 Pro, where I'd sit for like 15 or 20 seconds before some graffiti popped in or, or whatever it was. So it's not without its issues, but I think that there is enough there that they basically just sectioned off some, you know, a part of the map and said, you can do whatever we have planned for you inside this area no holds barred if it's in this area you can do it and i think that's that's sick more betas should happen like this and not only that not only are they giving you a taste of kind of the start of the game they do actually give you a small sliver of the end game as well um one of the invaded missions so it is a mission they let you play in the main part of the beta and then you get to replay the mission as what they are calling an invaded mission where this new faction comes in and me and you kind of ran through that this morning because it was the first chance we really had to play together and it wasn't it wasn't a cakewalk no i mean with the two of us working as a tactical unit it wasn't overly difficult as well but it 
it, what? Hel- it helps that we've played together on a few other games and we, we can kind of trust each other. And I made that comment to you. I said, you know, tell him I like playing with you because I don't have to worry about what you're doing. Um, this game, I think, is really going to shine in those um, aspects where you're playing with a group of friends and you're going in to run this mission on an advanced difficulty with like the invaded part in it as well. Um, it's going to be awesome. But it does kind of change it up as well because you're not just running through the exact same mission again. I mean, to a degree you are, but the goal's different. So right. as an example is when you do the mission the first time around, you're trying to activate um, basically like what the satellite systems, the network that the division uses to contact each each other. When you're running through it in the invaded mission, you're essentially trying to stop these guys from hacking that same system. So you do get put on a bit of a time limit once you enter that kind of server room, which I thought was really cool that they they do kind of change the story around the mission when you're doing it again. And it really seems like they really did think about the end game um, with this. So based off of just the open beta that we've played, what you've seen, the videos that you've watched, I think we, we're going to do um, a highlight on Div 2 when it comes out full release. But if you could tell the listeners what you feel, like should they go out and is this a game that they should be looking to buy day one, wait for a sale? You know, what's your, your first preliminary response to the beta? I mean, if you didn't like Division 1, I don't think this is going to do much to change your mind. Right. Um, hopefully, if you didn't like Div 1, you at least gave this beta a try so you had more of a song idea. Um, I think you're going to see some pretty good reviews come out of this game, but if you are into co-op experiences, you are into those third-person shooter type games, this is definitely a game you should at least check out. Cool. Alright, so uh, let's move on to the news uh, portion of this episode. Um, I'll I'll start with this uh, first piece here. So today is a very special day uh, for Sony in that the PlayStation 2 was born in Japan 19 years ago today, on March 4th, 2000. Now, it went to, on to become the biggest video game console um, ever in terms of units sold at a little over 157 million units worldwide. Now, to put that into perspective, we were talking some numbers before. I think uh, the PS4 worldwide is sitting around 94 million, it, something uh, like that. Yeah, it's about 93, 93 point something million. So, I mean, that's pretty big. And the PlayStation 2 had some pretty long legs on it. It, it was out there for a long time in the wild. But, you know, speaking of birthdays, it's also the second uh, birthday for the Nintendo Switch as well. It's crazy. It's been two years since that console's been out. And you know what? That thing is selling gangbusters, Cormac. <laughs> Absolute gangbusters. Um, the estimated sales for the Nintendo Switch in two years is 31.1 million. Um, to kind of put that into perspective a little bit... The lifetime estimated sales for the Xbox One sits at around 41.6 million. (laughs) Um, And when you look at the Nintendo Switch's um, sales over two years versus the PlayStation 4 over its first two years, the Switch would actually be beating out the PlayStation 4 by about 3.8 million. Wow. Yeah, it's, there, it shows the industry that there's still a place 
uh, for handheld gaming. And then, but it's that weird hybrid where it can be handheld and then it is an actual console inside the base. Yeah. Um, do you ever think that PlayStation would make another handheld? Or do you even think PlayStation 5 might try to go the road that the Nintendo Switch went? I mean, we I was scouring for the internet for news articles that were worth mentioning. And I think, you know, something that I found was the, the PS uh, Vita is being stopped production. Yeah, you know, um, absolutely. There's that final kind of nail in the glittery coffin. Um it's hard to say. I think maybe we're looking at a uh, an involved ecosystem where there might be something that you can buy in addition to your PlayStation Five or or whatever to to have some sort of handheld experience. I I can't imagine that they will, and I think the reason why is because it's hard to permeate something that Nintendo's already got like a firm grasp on, but also. Um, Cell phones nowadays can play most games that you could on a handheld system. For example, I can play like full release Grand Theft Auto games on my iPhone. There's That's no crazy. no reason to buy um, something else when I already have to buy a cell phone. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's hard to say. It's one of those things that. Uh, uh, what do you think about the rumors about Microsoft possibly putting Xbox Games Pass onto something like Nintendo Switch? I think it's a smart move. I think that this whole games as a service thing that they've got going on, and what I mean by that is the Netflix of video games that the Xbox Games Pass is, I think is the way forward for a company like Microsoft. You can get Netflix on a PlayStation, on a Nintendo Wii, on your Xbox. What's from stopping Microsoft from doing the same thing with a Games Pass? That would be brilliant. I mean, it's possible we're heading into a future where on a Nintendo Switch, you have something like Xbox Games Pass, but on the flip side, you have like Nintendo Virtual Console uh, on an Xbox. Um, They really seem to be playing nice with each other as we kind of head into the next generation of consoles and gaming. I hope that what comes of this is um, Microsoft lending a helping hand to improve um, online uh, capabilities for the Switch. Um, my cat is outside our bedroom door, and uh, he's just m- making a mischief out there. <laughs> um, so next piece of news I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on is there have been reports on Sony offering refunds on Anthem. Now you hear Why, some, Talon? <laughs> well, you hear some people getting it, you, some people saying no. Um, but at the end of the day, what this all revolves around is that Anthem is actually uh, crashing not only its game, but it is actually full-on crashing the console. Um, now, this is a predominant problem on the PlayStation 4, although there are reports of it happening on Xbox as well. Um, but crashing your console can actually cause permanent damage and it can brick consoles. Yeah, I, I was uh, listening and reading in some uh, articles uh, on Reddit as well. And uh, one report specifically was stating that um, this guy had reached out to uh, Bioware and he had talked to, uh, spoke to uh, Sony support on the phone. And there's really nothing that he could do. But it is as though while you were playing, someone yanked the power cord right out of the back of the console. This is a huge issue. You know, who buys you a replacement console if a game that comes, you know, has killed it? 
it's insane. And there are reports that uh, Bioware have reached out and responded and said that they are aware and they're looking into it. But, you know, I said to you before we started recording, I have stopped playing it for other reasons this week, but I will not be picking it back up until this is fixed. I can't afford to lose a console over Anthem. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's, it's kind of crazy that a bug like that even exists in the game. I, I mean, if that game crashes during a loading sequence, I mean... You know, you're at least going to have to basically do one of those safe checks that happens if you like a power surge were to happen in your home. Um, with the worst case being obviously brick consoles, which there are reports of consoles being bricked by this game. Yeah, that that is wild. Uh, next piece of news: CD Projekt Red have announced the first expansion for their Gwent card game called Crimson Curse. Now, this will add 100 new cards, um, and it comes out on the 28th of March this month. I mean, it follows a story arc of uh, Detlaf, who you may remember from the Witcher 3 Blood and Wine expansion. Now, I haven't really sunk any time into the spin-off game, um, Gwent, but I did play in-game The Witcher the first or the second time, or the third time uh, that I played through The Witcher. But this has given me Witcher... Three vibes, and I want to go back and uh, and play this again. So, uh, if again, if you're on the lookout for that and you play Gwent regularly, that comes out on the 28th of March. Um, other piece of news, staying kind of on the topic of Anthem a little bit. Uh, there are some perma bands that have been handed <laughs> out um, by Bioware to people playing Anthem. So, a high-profile YouTuber and Twitch streamer who has been actually promoting Anthem since the betas, um, you know, high viewership, really wants the game to succeed, um, got this permanent ban. Uh, why, <laughs> why, <talent? laughs> why he got the permanent ban is what was called economy exploitation. Um, now, I kind of find it hard to believe you have an economy when there is no player-to-player trading, you have no PvP, so you're not essentially able to affect other people directly in that sense. Um, Sounds like a bunch of horseshit to me. Yeah, I, I mean, with so much negativity all, already floating around your game, why would you? <laughs> why would you ban someone who's promoting the game? Especially for... I, I mean, exploit seems kind of rough because... Um, recently they did patch it out, but they fixed a lot of the drop rates that were happening. And what he was doing was actually doing a chest farming route where he was flying around the map farming chest, which had this high rate of dropping, um, master work crafting material. So fundamentally there was nothing wrong with what he was doing. He took the time to learn where all of these things that would happen and played the game in such a way that it led him from one place to place to place to place. And, I mean, it's crazy to think, like, when I started playing Destiny 1, for those of you that maybe were with vanilla Destiny 1, um, you can't tell you how many hours I spent in front of that goddamn loot cave just shooting into a black hole of abyss, uh... You know, and then going in there as a discotheca to collect all those glowing items on the ground. And I would do that for hours with my friends. Like, And did they 
permaban anyone from their game for doing this? No, they didn't. If anything, they fixed it and then they turned it into a joke because you were able to go back in the loot cave and there'd be a pile of bones uh, and you can interact with them and you got this like spooky little message thing that kind of happened. Yeah, it's insane. It's a bad move. I, I hope they rectify that situation um, in terms of uh, the the game breaking bug, the uh, the console breaking bug, and also reinstate this dude. Like he's he's out there in a force of good. He's um, promoting the game, playing it very visibly, and like you said, high visibility will. Yeah, any anyone that so kind of got banned and affected by that, I really do hope that Bioware kind of reverses that decision because uh, it's kind of silly. I mean, if they don't, really, they're just shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. Um, but in other awesome news for EA, uh, <laughs> Apex Legends um, hits 50 million players in a month. Yeah, it's Now, to put a little bit of that into perspective, it took Fortnite 16 weeks to hit that 50 million players. And they've done it in a month. Now, to be fair, there probably is a nice trade-off for Apex Legends that Fortnite made the Battle Royale scene kind of explode. I mean, obviously, uh, Players Unknown Battlegrounds was there first, um, but Fortnite is where I feel like it really took off and it really exploded. Yeah, yeah. Fortnite has done this incredible thing where they've been able to permeate a lot of different social uh, circles or environments. The NFL, for example, they have those kind of team colors or the the team um, jerseys in the game and stuff like that. So they've definitely broken down a lot of walls. But I think that the release, like we talked about last week, where they just came in unannounced and it was a perfectly launched game with no issues... Um, and they brought something, you know, new to the the genre, if you will. Um, it can only be a good thing, and I think it's only up from here. However, to play devil's advocate, I think that it, it's maybe because it's a, a new game on the block, a new face, so a new experience. I think that, you know, it holds a lot of weight and a lot of water itself, but I think that if you jumped away from Fortnite to check out Apex, you might just jump back to Fortnite. Who knows? I mean, it really kind of, I guess, depends what you jive with. Um, but Apex, I feel like, does take so much of the best of all the other kind of Battle Royale games and kind of made it into its own thing with its own really aesthetic style. Right, right. Totally. Um, other news we've got. Um, in April, the next big PlayStation exclusive co- is coming out, which is Days Gone. Um, reportedly to have six hours of cutscenes. Now, that's a lot of story. Um, the only... I mean, I can think of a lot of games with cutscenes, but the only one that really comes to mind that had that many, that much hour... And actually, the game I'm going to mention actually had a lot more would have been Metal Gear Solid 4. Now, cutscenes and a lot of cutscenes isn't necessarily a bad thing in its own right, as long as the cutscenes don't outweigh the gameplay. You know, and I think if you've got that much story and that much kind of narrative direction in the game, the writing has to be good. Yes, I I would definitely hope so. Um, You can't you can't be always pulled out of gameplay to be shown a really long winded cutscene. Now, I loved Metal Gear Solid Four. I loved how it tied up that series, but the biggest problem with it was that. There was more cutscene than there was gameplay. Right. Um, 
you know, even a game like um, Quantum Break, which was a lot more cutscene than it was gameplay, um, you know, suffered quite a bit from that. Um, I'm really hoping that because this is an open world experience, that even there's, though there's six hours of cutscenes, that the gameplay does really outweigh it. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I think this is one of the ones that we're going to be picking up this year. Um, it's It's been on the docket for a while. It, people have been talking about Days Gone for uh, a number of years. I remember seeing that first little clip of gameplay um, in that uh, m- that wood mill where he was shooting away at the zombies that were coming at him like 50 to 100 at a time. I'm excited for it, um, but there's no real... Um, word no no real word on the horizon with uh, in terms of gameplay or a demo or anything like that. So I th- think we'll just have to wait. Till I mean, March. all I can really say to that regard is that for those that don't know, I am a Sony rep with uh, TVs and soundbars and home theater. But obviously, I uh, I know our local PlayStation rep, who you know I asked him the other day actually. You know, Sony isn't really talking a lot about this game. They're not no. really hyping this game up, it seems. Which is weird. Which kind of had has me worried. And he he uh, he assures me that this game is going to be a beast. I'm so excited. I'm holding him to that. Um, I really I really hope he's not wrong on this one. <laughs> and if he's listening. You better be right. You better be right. Um, I've got one last piece of news. Um, I don't know if you ever played the original game of this. Um, again, I'm really showing my age, but <laughs> this kind of this one, this release kind of snuck up on me. Um, I miss the days of couch co-op and and these games that were just so fun. Um, on Genesis, there was a game called Toe Jam and Earl. Um, wonderful nostalgia game from my childhood um and they have just released toe jam and earl back into the groove which is the same style of that original game with the ability to do couch co-op um that when you're on screen together you share the same screen and when you split apart the screen splits in half and you see your your own things um and there were two sequels to this game originally. There was Toe Jam and Earl 2, Panic and Funkatron, which kind of got away from the bird's eye view, like roaming and trying to find find what you know your end goal is. Um, it turned into a 2D side-scroller. I did love that game, but never the same as what I did with this. There was a Toe Jam and Earl 3, which was on um, the original Xbox, which tried to kind of redo what the original game did, but never really quite succeeded in it. And now we have this one, which is in that cartoon bird's eye view style. Um, And I'm going to be picking that up very soon. And I'm actually super excited uh, to throw a controller in your hand and give you this experience that I had in my childhood. So... (laughs) I think that there's always going to be a place in my heart for, you know, a good couch co-op game. Uh, I recently had my brother and uh, my mom come and hang out uh, for a couple of hours here. And the, the realization that I don't really own too many couch co-op games. Well, no one's really making couch co-op games. I mean, with the advent of online console gaming, couch co-op has mostly disappeared uh, and been left to almost indie experiences 
um, indie developers making games like Overcooked is a really great couch co-op game. Um, you know, I've been playing Smash Bros with a girlfriend who kicks my ass quite <laughs> consistently. Uh, <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, that's a really great couch co You know, that's one thing I think Nintendo does really well is they do have quite a bit of good couch co-op games, whether it's Mario Kart, Smash Bros. Um, and I definitely want to see more experiences like that on Xbox and PlayStation. Yeah, and I think that it's one of those things where now with the uh, introduction of these high-powered uh, versions of the consoles, the Xbox One X, the PS4 Pro, I think there's a lot more there for them to make use of in terms of making the experience interesting and keeping it couch co-op. There was that um, one that was recently uh, under the EA umbrella, uh, it was released. It was about two brothers escaping prison. Right. Not right, one that right. we played. A way out. A way out. That's it. Um, that's something that I would like to go back and try. I think that there's just there's something to be said about playing with the person next to you and having that interaction on screen, but also on the same couch. You know, whether it's you're sitting down to crush a, a Halo one or two campaign uh, with some beer and pizza. You know, something that really drives that interaction between two or four people, whatever it is, that's always going to hold a little bit of value to me, I think. Yeah. I, I mean, it's maybe different as we get older. I mean, it's nice because you and me are roommates that, you know, living in the same place, it's very, e would be very easy for us to sit down and have this couch co-op experience. Right. You know, as adults, I don't think, I think it's harder to kind of get people to do that. Um, was much easier, obviously, as we were kids, you know, have friends come over, go over to a friend's house. Um, just because, you know, like our friend Al, who likes to have adult sleepovers. Uh, <laughs> He's going to love that we uh, mentioned that. Uh, yeah, he is. <laughs> uh, you know, I do, I do think we need to have more of those experiences regardless. Something that people can sit down with their kids and enjoy. Yeah. Um, there needs to be more of that out there. Um, so, you know, my, my whole topic that I wanted to bring to this week was about couch co-op and nostalgia games. And I think we touched quite a bit on that now. Um, I don't really think we have too much more to say other than give us, give us some more of these experiences. Yeah, I'm definitely down for them. Uh, we, again, touching back on, uh, having my brother here, we had to really kind of scour through my game collection to find something, I almost felt guilty, you know, that I didn't have access to something that two people could play sitting next to each other. And that seems like a little bit of a rudimentary experience, and I think we may be lost in the advent of online gaming and making that so interactive and 100 people playing all together at once, and I can't even find, you know, a handful of games for two people to play together. Now, my topic is a little bit different. Um, when I was reading about the, the news, and I touched on this uh, CD Projekt Red uh, Gwent game, it brought me back to the release of The Witcher 3. Now, in the box with uh, The Witcher 3 game, I, I did get a collector's edition, so I'm not sure if this is the same across the board. I hope it is. But in there was a note that said something along the lines of, thank you for buying this game. Thank you for trusting us with your money. Um, and, you know, we really are delighted that you decided to, to, to spend some money on this and to spend your time on it. And then it 
brought me to think that I don't think that I've picked up another game with the same value, collector's edition or otherwise, that's done the same. Now, I think that you and I both know, um, as well as one another, that uh, video game development companies, studios, know that they exist um, only because people keep buying their games. If you were a AAA developer and you released a game and not some, like not a single person bought it, you might be in some financial trouble. Um, but it, it rarely is the case that the developer says, hey, thanks for trusting us with your hard-earned mo- money. You know, we've poured our love, our heart and soul into this project. We really hope that you'll enjoy it as much as we enjoyed making it. Even Red Dead Redemption 2, you know, I got the collector's edition. I spent all this money and not a thank you, nothing. (laughs) I mean, CD Projekt Red is just a different monster because they have a different philosophy around it. Um, The Witcher 3 as an example. They gave... I think it was 16 free DLCs with that game. Yes. Yeah. Um, just because they didn't, they didn't want to gouge their consumer base for cosmetics and all these little things that they thought, you know, you shouldn't pay for. They should just be some kind of reward. And now they did put two expansions out for The Witcher 3, uh, which were, I think, $15 and $20, respectively. And the second expansion on its own pretty much rivaled the length of the original game. Oh, it could have been a sequel. It could have been a a full-blown release, yeah. And, And that just shows the difference between what CD Projekt Red does and what you know, EA, how EA's philosophy is, how Ubisoft's philosophy is, which kind of does seem to be changing. Um, But you also look at like PlayStation when they put out expansions for something like The Last of Us, um, for something like Infamous Sons. um, They're almost standalone experiences. Even Lost Legacy from Uncharted 4 was a massive kind of experience. Not quite ever quite ever the level of the original game, but the same charm, the the story, it was all there. Yeah, it's one of those things where I'm not asking for love letter from Ubisoft or anything like that. I'm just, I wish that more developers were like uh, CD Projekt Red in that they acknowledge that we spend our hard money, hard-earned money on their experiences and things that we don't have to buy. Um, you know, this is not a, a a hobby or an interest that anyone forced the two of us into. We got into it of our own accord. It's just nice to be acknowledged. You know, I'm I'm spending Absolutely. nearly a hundred dollars on on something. It would be nice to you know see something in there, a quick little note to say, hey, thanks for buying this game. We hope you enjoy it, and that's all all there has to be. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Anyways, uh, it's going to be a fun week uh, coming up for video games. I think we lose access to the Division 2 beta uh, later on this evening, uh, right about the the, the time you guys are listening to this podcast. It will be over. Uh, So if you haven't checked it out, um, you're going to have to wait until the release. Now, when is the release of Division 2? The release of Division 2 is March 15th, which is a Friday. 
if you do get the gold edition or the ultimate edition, you do get three days early access, which means you will be able to play it on the 12th with us, uh, which is a Tuesday. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, I think that about wraps up this week. Uh, again, next week, we will be back at our regular time. But otherwise, thanks so much for listening. Have a good one, guys. Have a good one, guys.